If you have your Bibles, let's open them up. Exodus chapter 5. Uh, Exodus chapter 5. If you're looking for Exodus, uh, start at the beginning and make your way uh, past Genesis and you'll find Exodus. If you're looking for chapter 5, find chapter 4 and then we'll be in chapter 5. And so, uh, we're spending a few weeks exploring uh, really just the pace of our lives, but, but not necessarily uh, if we're doing too much or if we're moving too fast, though, though that's, that's pretty uh, important. I mean, we are, after all, about to transition from, from summer mode to school mode. And, and before we know it, a lot of us are going to be wrapped up in uh, practices and drop-offs and pickups and games and homework and parties. And, um, and, and if we're not mindful our schedules can be more in control than our priorities. Uh, and really, our schedules can be even more in control than our, our values, but, but that's not necessarily what we're gearing a series around because we, we instinctively know these things, right? Uh, we instinctively know if um, we're too busy or we're not busy enough. Uh, and so, but, but what we're trying to do is we want to press deeper than that and we want to ask questions about this speed of our lives and the movement of God in our, in our ponderings and in our decisions and, and specifically in our actions, that, that we would ask ourselves simply this question, am I doing life at the speed of God? Am I doing life at His speed? And I think uh, this can be a difficult question to explore because uh, for some, simply asking this question exposes us. And we don't like that, right? We don't like feeling exposed. And, but we know by simply asking that question, am I doing life at the speed of God, we get exposed and we know we're being, being called to repentance. And now the question is, am I willing to repent or, or not? And then for some, uh, we, we may be in a season where we're either moving too fast for God or trying to create our own momentum, expecting God to catch up and bless us, or, or we're dragging uh, slowly and, and we're being called to movement, but we're refusing to get into the game. And, and then I think for some, we don't even know where to start with that question. Like, I don't, I don't know what speed God is moving, so how do I know if I'm moving at, at His speed? And, and this is in part why I think uh, the Bible is, is not only a great help to us, but a great vital part of our lives because we get to see these moments in the lives of those who have come before us and, and reflect on their responses for when we find ourselves in, in similar situations. We get to try to figure out, is our form similar or um, do we want to avoid what they did? And, and so what we've been doing these past two weeks is really taking a look at, at one scene in the life of Moses as he is in the desert, and he sees a bush that is burning, and out of that bush, God speaks to him. Uh, and what we find is God tells Moses, hey, I'm sending you to Egypt, and you're going to bring my people out of slavery. So, so out of a, a small spark ignites a, a major shift in the life of the Israelites, God's chosen people, and, and what God tells them is go. You. I'm telling you to go. I've heard the cry of my people. I'm telling you to go. And, and this conversation, again, is birthed from God seeing, hearing the cries of His people, and He's moving in their direction to rescue them. And what we remarked on really two weeks ago was 
uh, because God hears the cry of the broken, that we, we shouldn't be surprised when He uses us to be part of their rescue. Uh, and, and then last week, uh, Chris stepped up to the plate and he, he walked us through the other half of that conversation where uh, as soon as God tells Moses to go, Moses brings in some excuses for how God chose the wrong guy. Uh, and, and what was beautiful about the whole scene is God's grace uh, that he shows Moses. And he comes in and he says, not only will I equip you, not only will I give you the words to say and the opportunities to say it, uh, but I will be with you. And it begs the question, if I know God is with me, then why am I so timid at certain parts of my life? And, and this morning what we're going to do is we're going to kind of jump a couple of scenes ahead and, and we're going to walk into uh, a scene that I think a lot of us can relate to if we've been walking with God for, for any amount of time. And, and what we're going to be looking at is, is what do you do in life when you're in between these moments? Uh, when God has given us, told us to do something, and yet He's telling us there's a great reward at the end, but what happens in that in-between time, especially when that in-between time is a hard moment? So, so do we try to take control uh, do we try to tell God He was wrong? Or do we yield and wait for Him to come in and do what only He can do? And so that's, that's kind of where we're going. So let's pray. Father, we come to You and we are thankful for the moments that we get to share here, um, both in lifting high the name of Your Son and reflecting in song. And, and we pray as we open Your Word today that we would be brought very close to it that we would be able to hear very clearly Your words and Your promises, and that we would remember that You don't lie, and that You don't roll the, the dice with our lives to see what happens. We love You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Alright, let me, let me kind of give you the punchline before uh, delivering the joke in case you decide to mentally check out. I can already see Kyle already dozing off twice uh, in the intro. Doesn't bode well for you, bro. Um, but let, let me kind of give you the punchline with what we're going to do. Because what we're going to see is that because God has called us to do life at His speed, okay, and I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, that there will be times He comes in and He just says, yield. He says, just wait for me to move right ahead of you and then follow after me, okay? That's what he will do. And so uh, this yielding, though, may be uh, in what looks like dark days or clouds forming on the horizon. And so what we have to understand is that just because there are difficulties and trials and, uh, and friction, that it doesn't necessarily mean God is not continuing to work out what he has promised, okay? Because very often in life, that's typically what we do. When life gets hard, we just assume I'm in the wrong place for the wrong reasons. And now, sometimes you are in the wrong place for the wrong reasons. And then sometimes God takes you in those moments to show you something incredibly beautiful about who He is and, and what He is doing. And so, so now, and I don't know, the line I'm about to give you, in fact, it's your only blank to fill out in your talk notes, uh, I've ripped off from somewhere. I have looked in my notes and I don't know where I ripped it off from. Uh, and so, but someone once said this, and now I'm telling you, all right? So, 
Let's just hope that they're not like a dirt bag. I don't know. But, but our overall thought is simply this. There's a process as God moves us from the promise to the promised land. Okay? There's a process as God moves us from the promise to the promised land. I, I guess we um, put the wrong word in there. And so, so if you really want to make this a nerdy pastoral sermon, which I am very easily can do, uh, what we're going to be focusing on is, is our posture as we are in the process between the promise and the promised land. Um, and so as we set the stage there, there are a few verses I want to remind you of. Okay, so before the Israelites end up in this chapter 5 scene, there were some things that God told them before. And I just wanted to bring it back up uh, to our, our, our recollection. In fact, chapter 3, verse 7 simply says this, Then the Lord said, okay, so he's speaking to Moses, burning bush, we've been here, okay, first two scenes, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of a whole bunch of other people. In verse 9, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. And then he says to Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, whose people? My people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And now, now pay attention, because in verse 19, he sa- he's going to say something important for us to remember. But I know, okay, this is God speaking, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, okay, so if you like to underline your circle in your Bible, this is a good word. After that, he will let you go. Okay, so so a bit further into this chapter, God is going to tell Moses to do all the miracles that have been put into his power. It's a pretty great scene and that uh, God is going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh will not let the people go. And so next what we see um, a couple of scenes later is, is Moses and Aaron, uh, they go to Egypt and they speak to the elders of the Israelites and they tell them all that God has share, shared with them. And it, said, it gets to the end of the chapter and I love it because it says, they all bow their heads and worship God. Like they hear this plan. Moses says, hey, God sent me to tell Pharaoh to let, my, let his people go. And we're about to do this. And so a nation who has known nothing but slavery gets their first whiff of freedom. And they bow and they worship God. So there's a promise. I will rescue you. There's a promised land. I'm going to move you out of slavery into the freedom, into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And, and God has told us, and we're trying to remember this, okay, as we get to see it unfold, He's told us about the process. He says, I'm going to display my power and my glory, my mighty hand, and my glory is going to go through the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Okay? 
my glory. I, there will never be a moment that God is not in control of these things, though it will appear to them that He is, is not strong enough to do it. And at this point, again, everyone's on board and they're worshiping, but, but things are about to change because something hard is about to happen, which will cause them to question God's movement in their lives. You ever been in that little moment? In that pocket of what in the world is God doing? Okay? So here we go. In uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and they said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, right? That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And I, I can imagine, because Moses has built some momentum, right? I mean, has a bush ever spoken to you that was on fire? No. No. Have, has, have you ever done, you just see the scenes of, of what God does to show that who He is through Moses. And then, then there's this momentum that's built as He goes to the, the elders and He says, listen, this is what's about to happen. And I can imagine Him walking in. If He's anything like us, or really anything like me, He walks in, with some swag. And he says, guess what? Bring them home. God told me to tell you, bring them home. And if this was this scene, you're going to find out, this is kind of comical now, but Pharaoh, verse 2, said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice and let Israel go? I, don't, I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let... Israel go, and so if there is inspirational music playing in the background of Moses' speech, this is where it kind of stops. In fact, the, the reason is that this conversation is not intended to be the climax of the scene. It's not. Uh, in fact, how often do in life do we mix these moments up? We, we think we're at the final stage when really we're in the middle of of a chapter, because this is what we want. If we, we like the idea of the promise of God, and we like the idea that He's leading us to a promised land, but what we want is those two things to overlap instantaneously. And God says that's not the way this works. And there's, we're going to see why that's not the way it works. Okay? So this scene isn't about the, uh, the, the climax of, of Moses saying, let my people go. And I think our expectations of God in life would, would be or like Moses walking in and saying in a booming voice, let my people go, and Pharaoh saying, okay. And then we walk out, scene over, no adventure lived, and truly no God in the equation. Because what would be the story? Moses went in, told Pharaoh, let my people go, and convinced him. And so because this is not the climax, Pharaoh says your credibility is based on someone I don't know and I certainly don't fear. So, no. And then verse 3, Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God lest He fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. So if we're keeping score, round one seems to go to Pharaoh. Right? Uh, so, but let's not forget that God has told them 
about this process. God has been very open here about where the attention uh, will end up. And He's in this process of displaying His glory and, and His power. And, and in my opinion, if Pharaoh relents after this scene, the heroes of the story are Moses and Aaron. And that's a story not worth telling. And so, but getting a no from Pharaoh is, is about to pale in the comparison of the difficulties of the Israelites. Here we go. Verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. And all of you brick people are like, what? Right? No, there's no brick people. Gotcha. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go gather straw for themselves, but the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them, and you shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go offer uh, sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to the to lying words. And so the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and they said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get the straw yourselves, wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task. Each day is when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. So their own people were beaten. And were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Verse 15, Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That, that is, that is why, I, why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks and the foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce the number of your bricks, your daily task each day. And so, so this is hard. This has to be hard because surely by now the whispers of freedom, of Moses coming to town and, and taking us out of Egypt, surely it has reached their ears. And not only have they been not been rescued, but now they're being persecuted even further. They're being oppressed even more. And, and so they, I imagine they would think things like, like where, where is God in this moment? Why, why hasn't He saved me? I, I thought He cared about me. Have you ever caught yourself in a moment similar to this? Maybe you're not making bricks, but I think you can get it. And in the moment... In, in a moment, we're going to be reminded of His care and His goodness. Verse 20. So they speak to Pharaoh, and then they turn around and say, they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They're like, what, what are you thinking? 
You've made our lives harder, not easier. And these people who, who just earlier are bowing and worshiping are, are now complaining, hurling insults at Moses and Aaron, and their delight turns into disappointment, to disillusionment. And, and the very people Moses longed to help are now cursing him for increasing their hardships. Why are you here? Our lives are now worse. And this is, this is a, a phrase that the Israelites, if you just continue on in Exodus, this is a common thing when life gets hard. They're like, well, we were better off dead. We were better off slaves. We were better off, better off, better off. All the while forgetting there's a process from the promise to the promised land. And now if Moses... If, if we believe Moses to be the hero of this story, we, we'd hope to read as a response to this an inspiring speech, right? Some, some words of encouragement and strength where, where as he's speaking it, someone in the back of the crowd just starts this little slow clap, right? And then there's this thunderous roar and then the movie fades to black and these you know words come up on the screen and it says, and after this, Moses and the Israelites lived happily ever after, right? If Moses is the hero, that's what we want is for him to step up and do something heroic. And this is what you call a moment. And so, if, if Moses is the hero of this story, surely this is a moment for him to be heroic. So let's, let's see what he does. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. So what we want, right, is Moses to be Moses. The person that we've grown up in Sunday school and flannel graphs seeing, right? We like watching the Prince of Egypt as he's strong. And, and this is one of the things I love about the Bible. Because we get to see people who are very similar to you and me. And their lives are changed after God does something incredible. But in this moment, we get to see Moses being Mo. And so, he comes in. And where we hope to read in verse 22 of a great moment of faith building, Moses doesn't encourage the people. He doesn't even really respond to them. Instead, he questions God. He says, what are you doing? Why did you even send me here? You haven't fulfilled your promise at all. And now make no mistake, there is a hero in this story. There is. In fact, he's about to step up and he's going to say something heroic so we can, we can cue the music. And, and I really I want to get out of the way of these verses starting uh, in chapter 6 because they're so powerful. Because God is about to speak, and here's what you need to know, that when God speaks, there is no waver in His voice. There's none. When, when God speaks, there's no doubt of His ability to see His promises through. When, when God speaks, there is purpose to draw our attentions and our affections to Him. So as we read these words, I, I want you to underline, though, um, or circle, how many times He says, a phrase that begins with I am and I will. Okay? I am and I will. And now God's response to Moses, though, is going to begin with an incredibly important word. Now. Now. So he says this, But the Lord said to Moses, 
Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. All he's doing here is reminding Moses of what he had already told him. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. What an incredible promise. And you shall know, circle those words, You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of... Now, their burdens is the Egyptians, so what's yours? I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession, for I am the Lord. This is... It's weird... Because I think when we, when we believe that, there's something in us that changes. Like this isn't a slow clap moment. This is your team just won the championship and you're hugging strangers because you're so excited. God has spoken and He has let us know now that you see Moses can't do this on his own I am going to be the one responsible for your rescue. And he says that to you and me today. He says, now that you see you can't control these circumstances, I will step in and make it known that I am here to save the day. Now that you see, now that you see, now that you see. One of my favorite parts of of my relationship with God has, has come over this confusion when God says, I am a jealous God. I'm like, that doesn't sound right because we've been taught from kids on that it's not good to be jealous. And yet, He comes in consistently in His Word, consistently in our lives, and He says, I will not share my glory with any of you. Though He has really... We have no right to claim that he should. And he comes in this moment and he says, now you guys are going to see that Moses isn't capable enough. And I think for us, we get to come in and he says, now you are going to see that you're not capable enough, that it is out of my movement. And now, God says, now things are about to change, but this wasn't, the start of something, okay? And it's important you would hear this. This isn't the start. When he says now, he's like, okay, now I'm going to start something. No, it's a continuation of the promise. Because he's already told them. He's told Moses, hey, Pharaoh's not going to be a fan of what you have to say. But now, 
I'm going to step in and make it known that Pharaoh is no match to me. And so what we hope to see now, right? As God has spoken to Moses and Moses looks at his people and tells them what we hope to see is celebration, right? I mean, that's what we... All good stories have to end with a fairy tale ending. So that's what we hope to see. Let's see. Verse number 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. And we will end there. I know. In fact, let's, let's start wrapping this up. We're going to end. We're going to end on a Debbie Downer um, for a purpose. For a purpose. A, you guys have things to do today. Uh, and secondly, secondly, this is a great place to stop because it exposes us. Because what is what has God done in this in this moment? They complain. They don't believe that their promise is ever actually going to happen. They don't believe that they're going to the promised land. And their response exposes us. Because this is where we live. Like, like do you realize, we, we have the Word. And, and as we have the Word, it's not limited to being open on a Sunday morning. And so God has given us these promises about promised lands and, and you can try to insert it and, and we can if we're not careful we can very sinfully try to insert what that promised land is. You good? Alright. That's the loudest possible noise you can make in this moment. So we come through. Some mothers. What are you going to do with them? Right? So, so we come through in these moments of our lives. And we ask ourselves as we're exposed, why do I feel exposed? And, and the reason is simply this. The Israelites, they don't understand freedom. They don't. They don't understand what freedom really is and what it means. So when Moses says, hey, let me tell you what God has said about what He is doing, they don't get it. Because they don't understand freedom. And we stop here because it exposes us because we're just like the Israelites. Like we, we understand that God's given us a promise and we understand that one day we're going to a promised land. Now, now for some of us that... We think of that as heaven. Now, others, it just means the, the fulfillment of the promise, a reward. And understand that almost every single one of those... I, I've been trying to think this week. All of these rewards, at the, the, the reward of anything that God has called us to do on a, the adventures of the God size ends with Him and Him alone. Now, we can very easily say, well, well, the promise is that God is going to take care of me, so surely what He means is He's going to give me that job or that house or that car or that stuff. And, and that's not it. At the end of every promise, God says, it's me. It's being known by me. It's being, it's being able to see me at work to declare my glory that you get to be part of the adventures that God size, And it ends with the attention being drawn to my goodness and my care. 
And that's easy to say today. I, 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 I'm with you. But in between this promise of God and the promised land where, where God leads us, it's, it's the process. And guys, the process matters because that's where we get to walk at the speed God is moving. And when we want to get to the promised land too quickly, it's because we don't want to walk with God slow enough. And so we get ahead and we're like, come on, come on, come on. I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. And it's never about that destination. It's always about the speed when you get to walk with Him. And He leaves no doubt of who's at work, and He leaves no doubt of who is to be given the glory. That's why, that's why we can wear Exodus 6, 1-8, through 8, and we can carry it into whatever process God is moving into our lives. He promises us these things. He promises us His movement and His equipping and His care and His glory on display that the promise leads to dependence. And when we trust the process, our faith grows. That's what it is. And I suppose the question we need to reconcile is whether or not we're willing to yield to those moments when we wait for our great hero to do the heroic things that only he can do. Are we willing to do that or not? I love you guys. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, let me make a couple things available. If you need prayer this morning, we long to pray with you. Uh, we believe life is best lived together. And so if you need some prayer, we want to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we pray that this would be the day that you come out of the darkness, out of death, into life. Then if you want to stop and take some time and remember what Jesus has done for us, we have some communion elements available. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We confess that there are times that we, we don't understand all that you are doing. And so, Father, what we pray is that you would help us understand more and more deeper your promises. How you have never, never not followed through on your word. So, Father, I pray you would draw our hearts this week to your word. That we would see some of the promises that, that you give us about what life with your Son looks like. Life that begins with the end of ourselves. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.